Welcome into cameos. I am O'Shaughnessy with uh, my friend Samson here. We are doing that weekly play-by-play on Moon Knight, the hottest MCU, the only MCU thing around right now, but uh, the hottest thing on TV, probably, at least that I'm watching. Um, We got impressions. We're going to do a little breakdown. And then we're going to close it off with a with our favorite new debate segment. Um, talking about our favorite scene or the most important scene from the episode. So mm. just to catch everybody up, uh, let's let's run through what happens in this in this episode here and tell tell the tell the fans what we think. So we open with that Layla uh, Layla background scene and uh, mm. Mama's trying to help her exploits obviously we get a little bit of exposition for layla for the first time which was cool sort mm-hmm. of like the first that we uh we saw on her wait you thought you thought that was her mom that was definitely her mom i didn't think that was her mom yeah they were talking about her dad like her dad being dead and she yeah but it. i didn't think that meant that was her mom i thought they were just that was just like a family friend uh, they were really affectionate if it was just a family friend and the way that um old lady was talking about dad was like mm-hmm. oh he let you get away with too much like it very much sounded like a, you know yeah to, to me that sounded thing that sounded like a, like a godmom or like uh an aunt like a very like she she helped raise her interesting i so feel that, like that's what i thought mom, but uh we should look into that yeah because might... i had to go back and look at it again i was like i don't think this is her mom i think it's just a woman that helped raise her and was around for all the illegal activities that her and her dad were doing. Uh, I mean, it would, I, she was in the mix. My, my original thought was like, wow, this lady is a terrible mother. So that would be, okay. that would be <laughs> uh, a good point against mm-hmm. that. If it was like some woman who was like, you're not my kid. I don't know. You're being, mm-hmm. being reckless. Uh, do you think anything else about that scene? Uh, I, I, it made me wonder. Yeah. And part of these things like come up later in the in the uh, episode, but looking at Layla and hearing like the stuff she was doing, I was like, oh, she's clearly a Tomb Raider. Um, <laughs> oh my god! And her fighting—you you were right. You were talking about her being able to kick ass in the last one, and yeah. I was like, ah, I don't know, but yeah, she's, she's totally she's like, Tomb Raider. Man. She's totally Tomb Raider. Um, also, them talking like it made me realize oh, her. So her dad had the scarab at some point because they they mentioned that. Uh, the the woman said something about her dad's prize scarab, so he had the scarab at some point. So I was like, all right, so how does that tie in? What what could have happened to him for him to no longer have it, and he's dead? Um, yeah, and and so, for Mark to have to go find it somewhere, it clearly. Yeah, because oh, Mark oh, Mark stole it for, oh, from Haro. Right. So I wonder what happened in there um, mm. for her dad to die and also lose it. How long good ago catch, did this happen? Good catch, good catch. Uh, but yeah, those are my thoughts on that all that right. scene, and then. Yeah, so what happens next? On. Yeah, Mr. Harrow arrives in the desert. Uh, they're super yes. pumped they found the tomb. Yes, they're extra excited. He's so happy here. He's so happy here. Grabbing this random white man. <laughs> hey, leave him alone, bro. <laughs> that was bro. the cop from the last one. Did you recognize him? No, no, no. Yeah, I know. I recognize him. The <laughs> two cops were there. Some random white guy in Egypt. Like, those are hard to he, come by. They, <laughs> they were trying to. The cops were like, "Hey, yo, uh, Mark's here. We gotta." Uh, no, we found the tomb. Don't he didn't care about worry nothing. About it. Yeah. But what bothered me in that scene? And, uh, th- I'm gonna start this off. This is this was my least favorite episode so far because oh, there were a lot of things no. that bothered me. There's a lot of things that bothered me. Moon Knight uh, episode three is worst Moon Knight so far. All right. Well, we're yes. we're definitely not there yet. But let me. We, we'll we can get into it. Was there anything in this no, no, that no. bothered you? No, no, that's what I'm saying. So in certain scenes, there are things that bother me, and that's why it's like my least favorite. Okay. One of the things in this scene where they find the tomb is, uh, you, you know, you brought all these people here, but you didn't bring a single like piece of machinery. You just brought shovels and like buckets yeah, to move like, all this sand. Yeah, because he knows that he just <laughs> he doesn't need to spend real money. He just has like crazy cultists that'll do whatever he wants to do. So why pay money to get like a a tractor when he can just be like, Hey guys, you want to see God follow me Let up to this dig. desert and dig. <laughs> Cause he'd been waiting all his life for this. this Where's the urgency? Like, there was like, get two, down there. It seems like 2000 people. Like one of them would have had like a wagon or something. Exactly. They had Jeeps <laughs> in the back. 
Every you they very clearly <laughs> have people from different professions. Yeah. They could have like I, that bothered me. Like, right. get some machinery They're, down here. Th- like, unless he has like, <laughs> the most useless followers in his cult, like just a bunch of people that have nothing to their name. But maybe yeah. that is what makes up a lot of cults. You know, people that are like, I don't know, I don't own a wagon. Who's this god exactly. you're talking about? Um, all right, that's that's a fair nitpick. Um, all right, so after that, Harrow's super pumped, excited that they found a mitz tomb. Quick cut. Uh, we were just talking about Mark. Mark is randomly mm. chasing uh, some th- some thugs across some rooftops in Egypt, uh, trying mm. to get information on Harrow and where Harrow is. Apparently, Mark can't yeah. just follow the line of two thousand people just walking out into the desert single file, but yeah. <laughs> he, needs, he needs a little bit of information to point him in the right direction. We learned yeah. that he's and not I the thought- best sleuth here. And I thought that as they're doing this, and as he's running through the rooftops fighting these people, it was it seemed kind of light. And I was like, "Oh well, he needs to keep them alive." Yes, so, yeah. He, he, he needs that. information out of them. He him. says that yeah. right. His first line in the show is like, "Some dude uh-huh. gets stabbed," and he's like, "Oh, you killed him. I needed to talk to him." So, yeah. yes, he definitely uh, pulls his punches. He tries not yep. to kill the kid. Uh, later on, we find out that didn't really matter, but. Um, pretty good fight choreography overall. I think yeah. you and I had talked early on about Oscar Isaac doing like Karab Maga to train for this. Uh-huh. And he was cool. I mean, I, I believed it. Like there was definitely a stunt double in some of that uh, stuff, but like he was actually uh-huh. doing some of those moves for sure. Yeah. It always makes for a better camera angle when mm-hmm. you can have the actor, you know, actually do it. Like some guy slices Shoot, him yeah. and you can see him like move to it. It was cool. Uh-huh. Um, I appreciated that. I think and we got a good use of reflection also in that scene. Oh, with the and knife. I know we talked, yeah, right. something we talked about, and that that adds to that conflict between him and Steven. So you never lose that mm-hmm. that in the story, and I, I love that. It's not just him fighting; it's him still having that internal turmoil. Right, even in the middle really of a good. fight, they're able to interject that, like, yes. "Hey, skater, please don't kill this guy." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark was definitely about to break his no killing rule right there. Um, all right. So yeah, like you said, Steven intervenes, uh, but then Mark immediately passes out, uh, eyes roll Uh up in his head. He switches personalities, then wakes up in a cab. Um, Uh and he sees the guys that he was just fighting. He's like, where am I? But then he sees the dudes that he just left, continues that chase scene through the street. Uh Uh, My question is, where was that cab headed? Like, where was he? He just got in a cab and he was going to like leave like i wonder if yes. we're gonna find that out like <laughs> i'm sure steven was trying to go to the airport and it, i don't think it was steven no no that was steven you so steven, steven took, took over. over yeah i think so he looked at the knife boom reflection steven's back in power and the steven's so in the steven car heads to the airport cab? like because <laughs> <laughs> steven just let him go like hey all right you guys are good i'm just gonna leave I, th- I assume that's exactly what happened. Okay. And he got in the cab to, to head home. Plus, Could you take he didn't... me to America, please? <laughs> yes, and he, he didn't speak Arabic, right? So the, the driver was confused when uh, Mark started speaking Arabic to him. Mm. And he was like, wait, what? So I, that's why I think I it was catch Stephen. that. Yeah. yeah, Stephen would know the language. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but there are no stakes for Stephen. Stephen's really getting on my nerves. He Like, the world's at stake... And you just want to head back to your flat. Well, he like, redeems on, himself a little bit later. We we'll, he does. We'll he get does. There. Um. So <laughs> Mark continues chasing these dudes through the street, trying to be like, "Hey, we, we got to pick mm-hmm. up where we left off." Uh. He unfortunately passes out again. Mm-hmm. Uh. Gets knocked out by the dudes that he was chasing, and then wakes up, and he had just killed one of them. And it's at this point mm-hmm. that he's like, "What'd you do, Steven? And Steven's like, "Bro, that wasn't me." And I think mm-hmm. we can agree that that's definitely not something Steven would do. I don't think Steven's walking around killing people and lying about it. So yeah, what do we got? Is this personality number three? Uh, is this Conchu taking over the body? Like fully? Like no Mark, no Steven, just Conchu? Uh, so I personally, I don't think it's Conchu. I think it's another personality. And the reason I don't think it's Conchu is, you know, later down in the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. So I I think there's like a third personality in there fighting for control that actually took over from the both of them. They don't realize, neither realizes it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I agree. And I agree with you. I just yeah. wanted to one thing that I had read online that maybe Conchu was the third personality and he was just fully, fully taken over. But I think it makes more sense that there is this third persona. I also think that's going to be a good bombshell for like episode four or five or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I did notice in this scene was the kid who, instead of, you know, telling uh, Mark what he wanted to know, he's like, praise a mitt, and he like mm-hmm. cuts the tie off and then he falls off the cliff. And Kanchu's like pretty ambivalent to the whole thing. He's like, well, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to talk. Well, anyway, but like Kanchu's whole thing is being like justice. Like that's literally mm-hmm. his thing. And I just, I think it's kind of weird. I'm wondering if we're going to get an explanation as to why he can be both of these things where he seems to really care about pun. Maybe, maybe he's more interested in punishing those who do wrong than protecting people at all. He's just more, more interested in those who do wrong to receive their comeuppance. Yeah. Like, I don't like justice doesn't mean benevolence, right? So that's true. And then the true. day that's true. All he like that kid was a criminal, right? So he wasn't trying to kill him. He didn't want him to die, but all right, well, it is what it is. And I think from what I can tell, Kanshu cares more about the greater good than like mm-hmm. the stuff in between. So uh I think he's just focused on we gotta stop emit. So whatever happens in between that doesn't matter too much. And these people aren't innocent because they're followers of emit. So yeah. it is what it is. Hmm. I think he's just he like laser focused. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Uh I think that makes but sense. I do think he's fighting to protect humanity with even in his laser focusedness. Right. He's just doing it in all the wrong ways. Yeah. He's not like he's not a good god. Like he just it's just. Yeah. It is what it is. So that kid's dead and all the thugs yeah, the that he was, <laughs> and all of the, all the thugs that Mark was chasing uh, are gone at this point. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mark turns to Contra and he's like, Hey, uh, there's some other gods. We're in Egypt. Can we get some help? Contra basically alludes to the fact that they're not on great terms uh, and that he really shouldn't ask them for help, but he does it anyway. Mm-hmm. And he does this by like literally creating a, a solar eclipse and I just was like, one thing that popped into my head when this happened, I was like, dude, in the past, like 10 years, this planet has seen some crazy shit. Like, like there's mm. an alien invasion in 2012. People go disappearing for five years and come back into existence. Like mm. a literal God erupts out of the planet in like the Eternals. And mm. now you have like a- astrology just like not mattering. But before like 2012, it seems like things were just cool. Like, like mm. from when Captain America went into the ice to like the in aliens invading New York. Just uh, well, Captain Marvel's in there in between. There's a little bit of that's true. There stuff was going on. there was, but that wasn't like a global event. You know what I mean? No, 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 that wasn't global. You're right. You're like right. not like to the scale of these other things that have happened. Oh, mm. Sokovia falling like a. Uh, city becoming a meteor and falling down i just mm. I, every time this like earth shattering stuff happens i'm like what i'm so glad i don't live in this version of earth because it's like every other year now there's mm. like some crazy doomsday thing happening mm. but um yeah this i think that scene it made me wonder like, what did Kanchu do that you have to go through these lengths to contact the other guys like probably from doing stuff just, like this like this yeah, not, but like why? His first his first instinct is like i'll get their attention and he like <laughs> literally creates like a uh a, a solar eclipse or a lunar yeah, eclipse he, whatever it is yeah, but he was banished right he's which is why he had to do that yeah but you're asking why he would get banished i mean it's probably just for doing yeah. stupid shit like this I don't. I don't know. I'm I, sure I feel there's like, a reason. I think he did. We'll probably explain it. Yeah, we'll probably they'll probably explain it. But I think he did this because he's banished. He can't talk to them normally. Right. For but sure. It just makes me wonder. Like, is he just annoying? And they were tired of him, so they're like, you gotta go. Bro. That's kind of what like, I'm leaning doing towards too much. right now. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards. If they don't like, ever end ex- up explaining it, I think that's the reason. 
Yeah, they're really tired of him. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, stop messing with the sky. You have one, yeah. one rule. Don't do that. Um, all right, so Contru summons the gods anyway uh, by doing that crazy shit. Uh-huh. Uh, Mark enters the Pyramid of Giza um, via some fancy god portal that opens up in uh, Egypt, meets with some uh-huh. other avatars of those gods, um, and they're all speaking. All the gods are like speaking through the avatars, so we don't actually get to see any other gods, which was kind of a bummer. I was like, oh my god, are we going to get to see like Hatar and... Um, whatever the the main dude who was like grilling him but no we don't get to see any of that they just sort of speak through these avatars um and conchu's admonish uh admonishing i think that's the right word the other gods for mm-hmm. like sitting idly by and not playing a more active role in uh humanity and i think he he just to me he just went about this the wrong way like this is this is another thing that like bothered me mm. you could have ended it right here right because at, at this I point you got all the gods there I was watching this and it was like a little <laughs> bit better explanation would go a long way a long way right just you don't need to talk get someone else to do it yeah. plus they had Haro come straight from the desert and he was like yo were you in the desert yeah it's not illegal to be in the desert I mean he's right <laughs> there's two thousand people out there what are they doing with you exactly like say something say that they're they're digging here hey, it's so easy just go look go look like, don't believe me just go look they're actually digging for yes. the tomb right now that's what's happening in real life right now yeah yes. I, I thought about you while that was happening i was like oh man it's so true just a little bit more like mm. get to the point and we could avoid a lot of this confusion um yeah. oh and then there were two things in the scene that i liked one was steven I feel like that's this is the scene where he finally got the the grand picture. Like you're in the Giza. Like this yeah. is this is legit. Mm. Right. And then the other is like Hather, the Avatar, and uh very clearly Kanshu had a relationship oh, yeah, with the god. Yeah. I was like, oh. But you couldn't even contact her. So something's going on. What why does no one like you? Yeah. <laughs> so that those are the my two main takeaways in that scene. Yeah, something something that I noticed uh or something that I that I picked up on that I I'm not sure this was intentional but he uh-huh. does conscious like, "Hey, you guys aren't doing anything in this world." And I think uh-huh. that answers one of the questions that I had had, which was like, "Where have these other gods been ever?" Uh-huh. They're not mentioned in any of the previous MCU things which have spanned the last I don't know, what what was the first canonical MCU film Steve Rogers in the forties. But then there's stuff like way before that, like even the stuff with uh, Thor's um, whole backstory, you don't hear anything about any mm-hmm. other gods. So, right. But I, I think what Marvel does is they like take the approach of like the gods uh, don't take any action, mm-hmm. even the Eternals, right? Mm-hmm. They take no action. That's true. Yep. That's another good point. They, the did, they did the same exact thing with the Eternals yeah. where they're like, Hey, these guys have been around, but like particularly specifically not doing anything. Yeah. And um, the only god we see is Thor because Odin sent him there mm-hmm. to learn and to you know, humble yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that. And he just never left. <laughs> we'll see. I'm sure they're going to play a more yeah. active role moving forward. Otherwise, I don't uh-huh. think we would have gotten introduced to him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Khonshu tells him that Hera's trying to release a mitt from the tomb, but does it really bad, as you uh-huh. said. Uh, Hera responds with, nah, man, uh, this guy is, like, legitimately unwell mentally. And mm-hmm. Contra's taking advantage of him. And mm-hmm. all the gods are like, hey. Ultimate gaslighting. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what about? What about? Yeah. It's not what we're here for. Yeah. It was like, no, dude, this guy's this guy's really sick in the head. And it's like, that's not what we're talking about at all. Yeah. Um, and I think Mark mentions that. Like, yo, we're not talking about this. He's doing stuff. He tried. But at that point, it was so late. And the other late. god was yeah. just like, I'm sick of, like, what? Uh, what, like we're here to yell at you for like m- creating a solar Moving eclipse. Like <laughs> you, you make these accusations. You don't even back it up. He's the worst lawyer. Uh, Conchu is Conchu yes. and Mark are the worst uh, litigators of all time. He's like a public defender. Yeah, like, he does no <laughs> no work beforehand. Just a Just shows little up. bit of prep would have gone a long <laughs> way there. I mean, it was like an on the fly. Mm-hmm plan they were like hey can we talk to the other gods you know and they never crossed their mind like what should we actually say to them like that that thought never (laughs) entered their head oh my god we never expected that they would show up (laughs) 
Mm. Um, before, so basically the, the other gods are like, all right, uh, Harrow's committed no crime. We're not going to look into it. Conchu, uh-huh. if you do this again, we're going to, you're done. You're, you're done, done. You're done on done. And, um, uh-huh. Hatar before, uh, before leaving the, the hot avatar Biddy, uh, walks up <laughs> to Mark and she's like, Hey, you know, we like our gods have a thing. I'm I'm sensing a thing. So here's another mm-hmm. way to find uh, a Mitt's tomb. And she tells him about this old magi, uh, Sifu, Sefu. And uh, mm-hmm. within his sarcophagus, he basically had the pieces of the puzzle to find the tomb because mm-hmm. they keep hitting dead ends. So, um, yeah. Any thoughts about that? Oh, yeah. So... When they talk about sarcophagus, initially I was mm-hmm. like, wait, so why didn't Haro just go get that? He didn't need the scarab. And I think later things in the episode explain why that wasn't an option for him, but he needed to keep tabs on it. Right. Um, okay. But the, I think those are my my thoughts. And I also thought, like, yo, Mark clearly uh, needs Layla's help, but this is for, for what happens later. Yeah. Because as soon as that scene ends, he, you know. Layla... Layla runs into Mark, so Mark gets yes. information, uh, and then Mark's first instinct, for some reason, is to just walk around the street being like, hey, do you know about this sarcophagus? That's right, like, he goes to talk to the juice man. The juice, the juice man, man is like, he nah. just walks right up to some dude selling <laughs> juice, and he's like, hey, do you know about this this tomb? Do you know about this tomb? And the guy's like... The juice man is like... Bro, this is, you're talking about like some black magic like black market this is so illegal like they cut off people's hands in this country Mm -hmm. like get out of here don't i don't want to have anything to do with what you're talking about uh layla bumps in and she's like hey come on uh come with me you're doing you're doing Mm -hmm. this bad and she's not so bad at the espionage uh undercover Mm -hmm. stuff so but she's also a native so she can go places and do things that he can't do so mark really like needed her help Mm-hmm. He's always needed her help. Like he always needs the Tomb Raider to really get these things <laughs> the done. Tomb Raider, and I think <laughs> I'm calling her Tomb Raider from now on. Yeah, but I think that's what we really get to see in this episode. Like he really needs her help. All right, give me two seconds. Nicole's blowing me up. Mm-hmm. One second. Uh, while he's talking to uh. His person. Uh, I just want to say Morbius is terrible. I got to throw that in there. It just really bothers me. So I'm just throwing that back out there. All right. Yep. <laughs> That's good. Just a plug. We're not even talking about that in this. Like, this is going to be cut as a separate episode, but I think that they should definitely, everybody know whether Remember. you're here for Moon Knight or Morbius. Um, Garbage. Morbius was bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Alright. So next they get in that boat. Yeah, they're in the boat. Um we get a little bit of exposition between the two. Like, hey, this is what's happened in their past. We learned that Mark has had this affliction for a while. Um but Layla's like, we could have done this together. And Mark's like that's not the way I do things. Seems like Mark had had this multiple personality thing under his control until something happened. Layla asked what that was. Uh, Mark wouldn't say. Probably mm-hmm. has something to do with her dad uh, and that whole situation mm-hmm. maybe. Or could be that thing that we saw from episode, uh, what was that, two in the desert where he had like, Mark had clearly like slaughtered some people. Um mm-hmm some kind of trigger so he can't keep it under control anymore layla's like all right screw you mm-hmm. like whatever they're going to see her contact in uh egypt this guy named mogart who basically deals in like black market egyptian antiqu- antiquities yes mm-hmm. but i think well for that conversation mm-hmm. i think for me that kind of that's like the 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 conversation i needed to kind of confirm in my mind that mark is the main personality in this like storyline uh and that steven is likely the form of control because 
if you look at Steven's job is like he works at a gift shop, a gift mm-hmm. stand, right? And then he lives in what is his mother's flat, right? Yeah. So I think that that's like a part-time thing that Mark had so that Steven would have a life to do and then, you know, boom, Mark has main control most of the time. And then, uh, since, especially since Mark made the deal with Konshu in the first place, I think he would have had to have been the main personality this entire time. So I think that's, that's what I got mm. from that. Okay. That whole That is exchange. true. We were talking about that last episode, uh, whether yeah. it was possible Mark wasn't the main one. Uh, I think I'm falling off of that a little bit based on their interactions, because mm-hmm. this is one of two where it's clear mm-hmm. that they had like a, a very big history. But yeah, Mark does indicate that there was this split personality thing happening beforehand, uh, whether it's mm-hmm. always been Steven or whether it was some other kind of like dissociative identity thing where he was like slowly losing himself but not for as long um Mm. that's unclear but it's clear that there's always been something else uh at least in his time with layla so i'll be curious to learn more about that we don't really get too much more on that side of it um before they reach mogart and Mm. he is layla's old contact definitely seems like a a fling fling of a thing or at least mogart was definitely thirsty uh for her mm. and um mogart has the sarcophagus bada bing bada boom pretty easy layla first mm. try she she shoots she swishes um mm-hmm. mogart lets him see the sarcophagus and steven comes in and helps mark dicer uh, decipher the little puzzle thing that leads to Amit's tomb Mm. Um, initially he wasn't about it saying like hey do you want my help too bad like get me out of here <laughs> give me the body back uh, but Mark is like dude do you see what's going to happen like they're going to kill us if you don't help so Steven is yeah. like alright fine let me let me help and I, oh well I got I have some Mogart thoughts but I'll save those because you a... want to save your Mogart thoughts I don't really have any yeah, thoughts yeah, on yeah. Mogart so I'm curious I, I do actually say. Right. I'll, I'll share those. He was a weird looking But also, dude. rest in peace to the actor. Yes, uh, he did. That dude. Yeah, rest in peace actor. Yeah, that dude did pass away. But he was he was a creepy uh, creepy fella in the in the show. So he was. Um, but uh, clear black market ties, and then um, oh, we also we also see Harold's men hanging around uh, Mogart's place. Correct. Uh, and that's that's what I was uh, thinking. Like they had the scarab but always knew about the sarcophagus, mm-hmm. but never needed to actually go and get the sarcophagus, mm-hmm. but they needed to keep tabs on it. Right. Um, hmm. And I think, I don't think Mogart and Layla had any like sexual interactions, but I do think it's likely that she was stealing for him because, mm-hmm. you know, she, that's how she funded her life. That's true. They do talk about that at the beginning. Yeah. So I think that's what, that's what they had. And at some point she might have stolen from him and she kind of just let it go. That's why there was no trust there uh, between them. Hmm. Um, so those are like part of my Mogar thoughts and I'll share the rest when we get to the end. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, so yeah, you were just talking about Harrow's men. Harrow crashes yes. the party while they're in the middle of mm-hmm. trying to decipher this puzzle, trying to figure out where Amit's tomb is. Harrow crashes the party and is like, look, I got this floating beetle. What do they got? <laughs> and uh-huh. Harrow's kind of like talking down, trying to split um, Mark and Layla up a little bit. He's like, hey, guys, uh-huh. like, do you even know anything about each other? Like he he seems to indicate that um, uh, Mark had something to do with Layla's father's death. Um, yeah. And Layla's like, what? So we're definitely going to get some more on that uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this scene made me wonder, like, how does Har- Harold know this? Because mm-hmm. he doesn't read people's minds, right? He has no. to touch them and he can Even only then, see the yeah, I don't think evil that they'll do. seeing specifics, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it made me wonder, like, maybe this has to do with when he was Khonshu's avatar. Mm. So, so he might have some, like, information because of other things that happened and that were going on. Okay. Uh, so I think we might get a good story with that. 
Um, and I think that uh, Har was actually offering Mogart the, the tomb that they found. Because what Mark was going to tell him, like, oh, if you just let us put together this parchment, we can find this location and take you there. But Har was just giving it to them with less steps. You don't need to do all yeah. that. Just follow this. Come with me. Don't give them that. Mm -hmm. and, and you're good. So you can kill them and go, I got real power here. You you see it. Yeah. It's all here in front of your face. Okay. So I think that's what was going on in that scene. Okay. Um. Yeah. So Harrow's like, mm -hmm. yo, check this out. And just blows up the sarcophagus. Like, yep. out of nowhere, he's like, look at this. I got a flying beetle. I can blow up sarcophagi with my purple magic. Yeah. No jackals Run this with time. Me. Yeah. <laughs> no jackals. <laughs> yeah, that jackal would have been too much. Um, Mark then takes advantage of that distraction and summons the suit. Uh, mm -hmm. A little confusing why he needed that distraction at all, because he can summon the suit in like an instant. But he mm -hmm. took advantage of Haro blowing up the sarcophagus. Um and I think he was holding off though. I think he just didn't want to kill these people. I, I th guess. I think I think there's just a pause. They there, had like, no hesitation it. to kill him because as soon as that happens, yeah, Mark starts <laughs> fighting uh, Margot's dudes and Layla. Then goes and gets the puzzle pieces, which they weren't even destroyed. So like, I'm not really sure what Harrow did. Harrow was just like bah and just like attacks the sarcophagus, mm. but like the pieces are still intact. So. Unclear mm. why he felt the need to to do that. I guess just to show yeah, the power. Yeah, it's one of those things. Um, mm. Yeah, that was a little weird. Um, but Mark starts fighting. Layla gets the pieces, and then she goes like ham on that dude. To full Tomb Raider, mm -hmm. pulls off her necklace, <laughs> starts like jabbing him like Drax the Destroyer. Oh my god, yeah. like, her fight was pretty pretty tough. Um, mm -hmm. I actually liked her fight more than Moon Knight's. Yeah, he kept getting, he got shot too many times for me and then stabbed with pole arms. Yeah. I don't know why you can get stabbed, right. but not so shot. Right, so in the fight, in this All fight, right. he, like, turns his cloak around and it's bulletproof. But then, yeah. like, two scenes later, he's getting stabbed from, like, eight directions with those big spears that the dudes were running around with. So yeah, I'm a little unclear as to what his powers are, uh, but we can we can talk more about yeah, that. We'll talk about that at the end. Also, don't, we can't forget that Steven... Like, took over, like, here he comes right. again. <laughs> right, right. So, Mark, uh, <laughs> Mark, like, loses himself for a second. Steven's like, stop, don't do anything. And Mark takes over, or Steven takes over, and he's like, all right, stop mm -hmm. fighting, guys. And then he gets impaled, like, three times, and he's like, all right, switch back. And he, like, switches right mm -hmm. back. It was the worst, worst uh, taking the worst. advantage. Yeah. Um, Mark and Layla get out of there. They have some more relationship drama on the way out. Uh, Layla managed to get all the pieces of the map, so they're good on that front. Um, Layla's mm. like, hey, what was that Harrow, Harrow was saying about you, like, with my dad? And Mark's basically like, you don't know me. You don't know anything about me. Mm. Stop trying to get to know me. It's like, bro, what mm. the hell, man? Like, you don't even have to be, like, you know, in love, but, like, be civil with her. She just heard somebody say that... Like you killed her dad, mm. and you're just like you don't know me. It's like, oh man, I know you're dealing mm. with your stuff here, but come on, man. Like I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not really getting the picture as to why they were ever married in the first place. Because seems like he's, uh, I don't know, unless this is a very different Mark than the one that uh, she originally married. I think it's just he's keeping important things from her. Yeah, but also clearly. to be fair, like we all this information came from Haro, and he. I don't know that she should trust anything that he's saying. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know that Mark has lied to her so much so that he just kept things from her. So I think they just, well, I just look forward to that part of the story. So we can see like what actually happened with her father. Yeah. Um, and if, if Mark really actually killed her dad or was there for the death or had anything to do yeah, with it. Yeah, I think it'll explain a little bit of this, uh, like, cold shoulder treatment that, that we keep mm -hmm. seeing. Which is, it just feels, it doesn't feel out of character, but it just feels like a little much. Um, mm -hmm. Especially considering the circumstances. Like, yo, band together right now, guys. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, that's what would have happened in The Mummy. That's what they would have done. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they would have done in The Mummy. Mm -hmm. Um. 
so they got the map together, uh, or they got the the puzzle pieces together. Layla and Mark are out in the desert, putting this puzzle together from the sarcophagus. Um, Layla's like, we need we need Stephen's help. So Mark yeah. brings Stephen in. Stephen less reluctant to help this time for some reason, but Stephen's like, let me in, coach. I think is exactly what he says. Um, and Stephen is able to figure out that the puzzle is actually like an astrological map from 2000 mm-hmm. years ago. And he's like, this is what the sky looked like, uh, you know, on this date, 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, Kanchu remembers every single night. Mm-hmm. Um, he does this astrological trick with Steven's help and puts the sky back to the way it was 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Layla's able to use that to figure out the location of a myth's tomb. What did you think about all that, that whole sequence? That's, so I think one, I think the, you know, I've always been thinking like, why doesn't Mark just work out a deal with Steven? And I think that leads to me again, Mark has to be the main personality. He doesn't want to mm-hmm. work out a deal with one of the sub personalities that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I thought about them like having to figure all this out. Uh, and like constantly have to move the sky, but if you get if you get it within a few miles, you know there's thousands of people outside digging somewhere. Yeah. Just fly over the area. Yeah. And at that point, That's so true. We keep they keep forgetting <laughs> about the, like the three thousand, two thousand people that were out there in the desert, yeah. like just digging. Yeah, <laughs> a big big plot hole right there. They did not yeah. need to move all of the stars around. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. Um, also, that scene where they where Kanshu moves the sky, he knows what's going to happen as soon as he moves it. Uh, so to me, that shows like he's really selfless when it comes mm-hmm. to protecting the world. But also, one thing he said to Steven was like, you know, tell Mark to free me. Mm-hmm. So he has some type of like faith. unimaginable faith in Mark. Yeah. Uh, so Mark's character must be good, which again leads me into thinking like there has to be a third personality in there that's like really killing these people. It doesn't seem like mark actually wants to do these things right um it seems like there's a good interaction there's definitely some more history uh between like Kanchu and mark um yes like they're and i think they they allude to things uh they allude to that with things like this where Mm. you know on the surface it's like mark is like we can't trust Kanchu. he's never gonna give the body back but you know then you see things like this um and I, I think we'll get a little bit more of that in the next, uh, in the latter half of this mm-hmm. this season here. Just learning a little bit more about their history and about why Haro is such a bad choice for Kanchu and mm-hmm. all of that. So uh, yeah, the the gods warned Kanchu about doing stuff to the sky. He did it anyway. So they turned him into a statue, mm-hmm. and he turns into mm-hmm. stone. Mark loses his power. Gods mm-hmm. are just pretty upset that they told him to not do one exact thing, and he went and did that exact right. thing. <laughs> that exact. Yeah, thing. But again, he clearly did this for a reason. Yes. Right. So yeah, I agree. So, he was selfless here. This was like a selfless but, thing. Yeah, but this. Why aren't the gods questioning? Like, yo, he knew what's going to happen. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we should see what yeah. Arl is actually doing. Uh, and it's just like, yo, you got to come on, man. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that's a that's a fair critic that's a fair criticism of uh mm-hmm. of that. Um at the very end, last scene, Harrow shows back up in the Pyramid of Giza and talks to the Kanchu statue. Um mm-hmm. just basically being like, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, and it's all because of you. Like mm-hmm. basically saying, like, you made me a fanatic, and if it wasn't for you banishing me or whatever he referred to it mm-hmm. as, uh, I never would have done anything like this. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the Pyramid of Giza definitely needs some better monitoring internally. Because, like, he was talking to a god one second, and then he basically just, like, turns around and is like, Kanchu, mm. I'm going to do this, by the way. Like, exactly what you just said. I'm gonna do <laughs> like, the god is, like, 15 feet away. Like <laughs> They don't suspect him of anything. It has me wondering, like, do they even know that he's a Mitz avatar? Because maybe there's no urgency because they don't know. Um, and know. maybe he's only there because he's Kanshu's former avatar. He was accused, so they brought him in. Like they know who he is personally. Yeah. Um, but there's like no scrutiny for that. That man. was, that was a little. There, there was definitely some. I think the biggest. 
plot hole uh, of this episode was like the gods just seeming, you know, and seeming to be just totally not involved at all. But I guess that's kind of like their thing. They're not involved in humanity. But it's like, then why Mm -hmm. have them at all? Like, why, why rely on them? Why bring them in? Well, why why are the gods in the show at all, or why? Yeah, they- like why were they created if they're just going to be so like frustrating? To oh, I think because they have to exist, right? If you have Kanshi, you have to have the the other different gods of you know the sun and all these things that are you know yeah they control on Earth. Uh, and I think someone in the chat asked this question, like how are they differ from the Norse gods. Um. Well, the Norse gods, and at least in the MCU, they're essentially they're aliens, right? Mm-hmm. Like Asgard was a planet, uh, uh, Nifgard, Nilfgard was a planet. Mm-hmm. These are all different planets, right. not you know realms. So I think you just they have the Egyptian gods in there just to show like there are more. They're not doing anything because that's not their role, right? They they probably just make their music, they live their lives, <laughs> and they're just chilling. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll see. Uh, I think I was a little just frustrated with like the gods' involvement. I was just kind of disappointed first with how we don't actually see them. We just get them through told through the avatars. I thought that was kind of a letdown. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say that we won't see them, but I don't. I, I'm not holding mm-hmm. my breath for that. Um, it's also not like a make or break, but it just would have been a cool thing to see the um, actual like embodiment of the other gods instead of just their avatars. And then just Mm -hmm. the way that they like show up uninterested in humanity, but then just like, fuck it up. They're just like, Oh, well, Harrow's not doing anything wrong. It's like, can you guys just like pick, pick a side? Like if you're going to stay out Mm -hmm. of it, just be out of it. But if you're going to be in it, come in it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. from a storytelling perspective, like that was Mm -hmm. just kind of frustrating. Uh, but I think their only involvement was because Kanshu kept messing with the sky. I know, I know, but I'm just talking about like <laughs> from like w- when they were doing the storyboard for this episode, and they're like, okay, and then the gods oh, yeah. come in, and it's like, okay, but then the gods just don't believe Kanshu. It's just like I'm just frustrated with these assholes the whole time, except for the hot one who tries to help. But even she's like, she's just like summons him into a statue at the very end. It was just, it, it was a little too like. It felt too fast and it was mm-hmm. just like, okay. So. Oh, wait, before we finish though. Yeah. I do want to say one thing. One thing Carl said was he was going to do uh, what Konshu could not. So what does that mean? What was Konshu trying to do mm. that Carl uh, now is about to do? Because maybe Konshu was banished because he was actually trying to free Emmet and kill her. Or do something to Ooh. her in the past. Because it seems like Haro is trying to free a mat. So maybe it's the same thing. And that, that just made me curious about, you know, yeah, later yeah. things. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I, I think we'll definitely get to explore that a little bit more. Um, I'm hoping to get mm-hmm. some more Haro in the next episode. I think I've got a feeling the way that they leveled this one out with Haro coming in, basically being like, I know about your dad. I know about Khonshu. And I'm going to do what you can't do. We basically have mm-hmm. like Harrow's story told out from like three like different places. And I feel like we just need to fill in all those gaps to fully place together his story. Maybe the next episode mm-hmm. is where we'll get to see that. Sean's favorite character, Ethan Hawke, fully explained. Um, <laughs> all right. So some Easter eggs, details. Um, oh, so yes. Yeah. What did you, what this did you, is where, what did you notice? This is where I bring back in, this is where I talk about Morgard. So okay. his character is actually Midnight Man. Yeah. That's one of uh, Moon Knight's villains. So when he, when he was introduced, I was like, I wonder if, or, and sorry, for context, Midnight Man is like a thief uh-huh. in the, in the comic. And then uh, later on, he like trains his son to be the thief and he kind of retires. Right. So I'm wondering if like uh, Morgard has an actual son. Uh, that he trained seem and then... to die. I mean, we didn't see him die. He got like a moonikin in the back of his spine. Yeah. So he's he's probably out of commission, if not dead. But I I think in general he was always out of commission. Like he had he had retired. Oh, okay. He just enjoys his enjoys his like collection. Right. He pays uh, Layla off to go get stuff for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he just lives here. He he trains his son. His son is like midnight. Um, trains his son to to be a thief, and then just lives his life. Um, at his at this location, is like a black market guy that just buys stuff. Mm. That's, those those are my thoughts about him. But that's the Easter egg. That, that's Midnight Man. It's like an actual character. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. If we'll get to explore that a little bit more, that would seem to tie into uh, like his whole under market black market uh, dealings with. Um, Marjipol, what was the place that uh, Sharon Majipur? Majipur, Sharon Brown, what was her name? Uh, oh, you're talking about uh, sh- who was uh, the Sharon Carter? Yeah, was that her Is last that her name? name? Yeah, yeah, the I mean, she's Agent Carter's niece, yeah, something like that. So she ended yes. up being the power broker at the end of Falcon Winter Soldier, yes. So that uh, I didn't, I actually didn't notice that. Feel like that. there could be some tie in there, um. Mm-hmm with being introduced because he did seem like a character it seems weird that they would introduce him for all of like 20 minutes and then just throw Mm -hmm. him away like that because he definitely had like a presence and lines and a backstory so maybe they'll tie in with the power broker um Mm -hmm. with his whole like under market dealings it definitely seems like they would have run into each other and layla like layla might know the power broker um doing Mm -hmm. what she does um something i noticed in just the intro sequence um, totally off topic here, but I did notice this on this watch. Um, at the very beginning, when you see the Marvel intro logo scene, you see a pretty significant highlight of Shuri uh, from Endgame. And I hadn't noticed that before. You see the Doctor Strange, you know, they change it all the time. But like um, there is a pretty big rumor that Shuri's going to take over as Black Panther. And I feel like we're just kind of getting mm-hmm. further and further to that being like confirmed it hasn't been confirmed yeah. but this was just one more thing where i was like like it's the scene from endgame where all the chicks are walking next to each other and they like to have like the power up movement but it like specifically like slow pans on her and i just i feel like they, they only highlight like the major players you know what i mean they don't highlight like well anyway that was one thing i noticed <laughs> the other one was uh okay. That Mark owns a lot of white clothes. Like every episode, I feel like he's putting on something else. A new white shirt. A new white shirt. <laughs> a new white hoodie. Like he really. He's like uh, Power Rangers and they just wear whatever color. Yeah, just he owns all like plain white attire. It's like, dude, mm-hmm. I get it. We get it. The symbolism is real. Um, What do we mm-hmm. think about the gods? There was sort of like this like harrow keep being brought in we i understand that he is harrow was um Khonshu's former avatar so clearly like they know each other but are they do you think there's any ill intentions from uh any of the gods that we met i don't think so i think they're kind of just stupid they are honestly. as ambivalent as Khonshu. uh yeah like they really just they don't mean. do anything yeah and only care about being revealed their presence being revealed all right yeah, like the eternals just... yes yeah, exactly like the eternals yeah i don't like it i i i don't know I, I could see the main dude i can't remember which avatar he was for but it was the ball guy um i don't know he seemed awfully close with harrow but that might just be because the way that they set up those conversations but i wouldn't be surprised mm. if uh the avatars are like one of them is in league with a mitt or they turn sides or something like that just seems it seems too easy mm-hmm. um and then finally we were talking about this during that fight scene moon knight's powers being all over the map so we have like a daredevil style brawler but mm-hmm. he has a bulletproof cape and is impervious to spears going through his body like over and over again he was speared up like eight times is able to just basically like shrug those off and then he can like Mm. crazy sky manipulation magic you know through Khonshu and it just feels like to me the way that Marvel's playing this is like his powers are going to be like whatever they need them to be like similar to like similar to like Ant-Man Cause like Ant-Man's whole thing is like he can shrink down, but he maintains his mass, but that doesn't make yeah. any sense. 
he clearly doesn't maintain his mass because he like would crush everything that he's like walking around on. Like he's riding an ant at one point. So like they they just like they make the rules whatever they need. Oh, and mm. when he turns super big, he would like float away. Like he would if he maintained the mass that he was, he wouldn't like be able to like stomp on airplanes and stuff. Mm. They just they, I think they they make it. They explain they that poorly. They I, I was, they'll explain that I give way with like quantum yeah, stuff I, that Hank Pym didn't fully understand. But like basically, yeah. my point is Marvel just made his powers be whatever they needed it to be in the moment, and I kind of feel like I they're doing that again here with Mister Moon Knight. I don't think they're doing that with Moon Knight. I think he just so well, he's supposed to have a healing factor, General. So I think he's like you said, Deadpool. Right? Mm-hmm. You can stab Deadpool. You can do whatever you want. He's going to heal through it. So I think he's on that level. And then he very clearly has some super strength mixed in there. Um, So I think he's like a mix between like Wolverine and Captain America. And I think the everything he did with Khonshu is not actually his ability. I think it's just what, what Khonshu can do. But Khonshu needs the Avatar to actually, uh, you know, move the sky in the way it needs to be moved. Right. So I think... I think his only powers are the healing factor, the super strength or hand strength and senses, and then like the uh the moon rings or whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. The crescent crescent blades that he pulls out. They can like infinitely generate. Yeah, he's pulling those things out of his chest. Yeah. Because I think Kanshu says that he saves his life. He saved his life by making him his avatar. So right. he healed him. Uh, I think that's like a it's just a, a super extra healing factor is going on but i do i get your point i see what you're saying uh, i guess when he's doing the crazy next level astrological shit that's like the god Mm -hmm. literally channeling through him yeah i just feel like they could that's like a trump like they could pull that out at any time like mark could need to shoot laser beams out of his eyes and they could be like oh nah. well the god is just channeling that through him and now he's doing I, that i don't think that'll happen probably not how useful how useful is moving the sky in a fight like that's true he can't do it no more he'll get put right back <laughs> yeah, in stop doing it stop it um all yeah. right i gotta i gotta think about my points for this next part but are you ready uh you want to close this out with uh our debate our debate arama Oh yeah, uh, my most important scene. Our most important scenes of the episode. Yeah. So to wrap this out, okay. our uh, our new segment here, we're gonna talk through our personal opinions on which scene from this episode was the most important uh, of the episode, and only one of us can be right. So it's not an opinion; it's who's right and who's wrong. But this is our cameos debate section we call it conflicts arguments mulligan mullings and elegant exchanges with uh o'shaughnessy it was a mulligan my mulling was (laughs) you made a mulligan i made a mulligan uh o'shaughnessy and samson so we are gonna do this for each episode of moon knight we're on episode three uh i think you took it away last time but i am gonna I'll start it off with 60 seconds. We're each going to start uh, claim our own case and decide, in our opinion, which is the most important scene of this episode. And we'll give the other 45 seconds. I think we're good at a good 45 seconds uh, to retort. Mm, fine. And then we'll close it out. We'll let the audience decide who was right about the most important scene in Moon Knight episode three. And I'm going to kick it off. Okay. Because you went last time. Okay. If that's cool with you, I can also flip a coin. No, you go first because I went first last time. It's only fair. I know. I'm not giving myself time to mentally organize my notes, but we're going to go. We should, uh, I think, I think we should talk about, uh, which, which of our scenes we think were most important before we do this. Cause if we ever have the same one, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> if we're like, wait, I, that was my scene. <laughs> no, I could tell by the way that we think about importance that we don't ever, we won't ever have the, uh, 
Same scene. Well, Plus, you're probably going to pick another Ethan Hawke scene. Mine is not know. an Arthur Harrow one this time. So, <laughs> all right. 60 seconds on the clock. Most important mm-hmm. scene of episode three. And three, two, one, go. The most important scene of episode three of Moon Knight, in my opinion, was when they were on the boat together and they had their little back and forth about their past. I think that this was the most important scene of this episode and probably the best scene just conversationally because we get to know a little bit more about Mark and Layla's history for the first time actually told like in real time. There's no questions, doubts, uh, like secondhand you know like Layla being like what are you talking about and just confusion you actually get real heartfelt like to the crux of their relationship and we actually get to learn a little bit more about uh Mark's challenges with leaving Layla um we get to see that they did actually have a life together before all of this where I think up to this point you know you and I had had a lot of confusion about uh whether that was even legit so we get both sides admitting it and we do get a little bit of that history played in there uh, and I think that's why it was super duper important. That was it. Yeah. Did not feel like enough time. <laughs> All right. It's hard when you don't use Ethan Hawke. Yeah, it's hard. It's I got <laughs> to choose the Arthur Harrow scene. All right. <laughs> I'll count you down. Yeah. You got 60 seconds on the clock. Three, two, one, go. All right. So I think the most important scene is a scene where uh, Mark wakes up holding the blade and seeing that these people have died and he blames Steven and Steven's like, no, that wasn't me. Because mm. I think that's where you really see like though there's another person here uh, acting for the two of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also see Kanshu take no notice of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's important to know like that there's a, there's a whole other entity that could play a part later in this series they could, you know, do some damage. They can come in, maybe work with a mitt, work for against a mitt. Who knows mm-hmm. what this third personality uh, would bring to the table? So I think it's important that we finally get that 100% no, uh, notification or knowledge, whatever the word is, mm-hmm. that there's a third identity in here. All right. The confirmation. We get the confirmation. There it is. Confirmation notification. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> All right, all a right. Third, a third uh, personality making a cameo. The in third the cameo. There you go. The thir- Mark's third <laughs> cameo. All right. <sighs> okay. All right, 45 seconds. I'm going to give myself to retort mm-hmm. and rebuttal and double down on why I think my scene was more important than the one that you just said. All right, three, two, one, and go. So when we learn that there is this third persona, I do I do think that that is a big moment of the episode. However, we still don't get confirmation that there is a third personality, just that Steven and Mark agree that it's neither of them. There is still Conchu taking over the body, so it could easily be him. It could be somebody else. Uh, it, it leaves a lot of doors open, but I don't think any of them are, are any kind of big exploration of like the current character. We need, to, we need a firm commitment on who that third person is, I think, before we can be like, oh my god, like blow the doors off. I think this was just like a little drip drop teaser of it. Whereas I think the Layla Mark conversation was where we get like a full exploration of this past history. Like we, we get a full look into their relationship for the first time and we get real exploration of their relationship, which we hadn't had yet. Boom. That was 50 seconds. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Ready? Three, two, one, go. So, I'm pretty sure this is confirmation because uh, when they have the Ennead, that's the only time that the the gods actually speak through the avatars, and the avatar is very aware that their body has been taken control of. Because you can see Mark every time Kanshu speaks, like react to it, he can feel it. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm pretty sure that this that scene uh, where he's on the roof is where we get the true confirmation that it's their personality. And while them talking on the boat, it's cool, it's important. 
I think the true importance comes later when they talk about, you know, her father's murder, which will probably happen in another episode. And that's when we really get into their relationship and them getting a divorce. Uh, her saying like, yeah, I could have helped you with this. Doesn't matter anymore to me because it's, we were past, we're well past that. Like he didn't tell you. So hmm. now we're at the point where it is what it is. We got to deal with what's going on now. And I don't need your help anymore. We're getting divorced. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cold, hard truth, folks. That's yes. the cold, hard truth. Um, all right. Well, let us know what you think. Leave it in the comments. If you're checking us on YouTube, you can definitely leave a comment there. Um, send me an email. Put it in Twitch. Put it in Discord. Text <laughs> me. Call my house. Send snail mail. Um, good points made. I think uh, it's a little hard to argue with the... Uh, with your point about Khonshu uh, inhabiting the bodies like that, yes. I forgot. I was I, forgot. I was literally saving that. I forgot. I, I was going like to say it earlier. And jolted, I, I saved it. He, he jolted <laughs> awake. Um, yes. I think that is pretty good evidence, but mm. we still don't know what the third person yeah, is, if know. anything. What if they turn out next episode and they're like... Um, no, it was Steven and he's just lying. Like, what if we turn out Steven's like just like a pathological liar? Steven's not actually a museum curator. It's like... It's the greatest plot twist of all time. He's, guy, the, he's yeah. the true villain. <laughs> yeah. He's a mitt all along. But all right. We are going to close it out here. Um, oh, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. We oh. got one more thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's. Since okay. all bonus. gods with Thor are dumb. Bonus, bonus, As... bonus, bonus, bonus. <laughs> yeah. Special, special uh, snippet drop today on the new Thor movie. Um, yes. We're not going to do like a whole deep dive on it because I don't think either of us wrote notes. It literally just came out today. But like quick, yeah. quick impressions. What do you think of the first look at Thor Love and Thunder? I'm excited because I one I, I we talked about this when we talked about the Sony verse. Mm. I just love when when uh, franchises follow the comics, yeah. And it looks like they're following the comic like to the letter. I saw some pictures of things they pull from the comics. The, also, yep. That's definitely Jane. So, what is the um, um, speaking of the comic book tie-in? What is the name of the comic book series that this is based off of? Because I know you know. No, I, I actually forgot. Oh, it's, so I, uh, sorry. <laughs> it's Thor, Thor, God of Thunder is the name of the Thank series yes. that this is based off of. And it it's, it takes place all around um, Gore, the God Butcher. Mm. Um, so I am yes. excited to go read that and get like the full backstory on it. Um, mm. Gore, the God Butcher going to be played by none other than Christian Bale, the man behind the mask. Mm. Yep. They're bringing Christian Bale into the MCU. Also, Russell Crowe is going to be uh, Zeus. I, I, it's such a good cast. The cast is amazing. Like uh -huh. you said, they're going to do like uh, a pay homage to the comics. I'm so pumped. Uh, I think it looks this, awesome. This will be good. Oh, also, so someone said you, the Greek gods are owned by DC. I don't think you can own the rights to specific gods. It's like a uh what the is pantheon? it it's like fair use right the the stories are too old yeah so no one person can own the rights to it so everyone can use it uh but to the trailer i really love the fact that that's very clearly uh jane foster that's what happened in the comics she is like just like cancer or something and she's worthy to wield the hammer so she's given the hammer uh, it doesn't cure her but it like makes her able to she's got the power of you know Thor. use so like she has the power of thor Asgardian and she like with cancer can do stuff. is way better off than like a human mm -hmm. with cancer for sure yes and also when we look when we see mjolnir we see that it's like pieced together mm -hmm. uh, and if you remember like thor's sister destroyed the hammer right but she destroyed it on earth right. so the pieces were always there yep. uh so it makes sense you don't have to like well how did she get it like the uh, the everything was on earth everything was there uh and it looks it looks really really good. Um, very excited, glad to see the guards that got in there. Wonder where Gamora is. That's one thing I did think. I don't think we'll see Gamora uh, in this one. I don't either, but she is definitely alive because you know it's past Gamora mm. came and is now here, but probably not with Quill because she doesn't know him. Right. Yeah. She was. So, she was in a um, uh, deleted scene like from Endgame where. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a deleted scene where like all of the Avengers took a knee when Tony died, uh, which I'm glad that they removed. But then at the very end of that, 
you see Gamora like walk off, um, which means she didn't get snapped away when Tony snapped away all of Thanos's army. Um, yeah, right. She wasn't part of the army, so she got spared. I bet the Guardians are going to be at the first like 30, 45 minutes of the movie, and then they're going to go off mm-hmm. and Thor is going to do his thing. They might not even be in there for that long. Um, Cause it looks mm-hmm. like in the tra- in just this quick teaser, they're very much just like Thor says like deuces to the guardians and he just wants to like live his life, uh, which is obviously mm-hmm. not going to happen, but um, I'm, I'm so excited for it. This just looks like a continuation from uh, Ragnarok, which is one of my favorite uh, MCU movies to date to Kai with TT coming back to direct. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, the adventures of Thor and um, uh, oh my god, his name is escaping me. The rock guy, uh, but Korg. Yeah, Korg. Yeah, but this the movie. The trailer got me thinking about uh, Batista's character Drax because mm-hmm. he said he's not doing anymore. Well, maybe what I remember. Maybe no more than he's already like already. F- agree to so so i think okay yep so this one is uh probably gonna have very limited guardians exposure and then guardians 3 is the last guardians which comes out i think next year Uh and then yeah i think most of that cast is done at least batista definitely said he was done i don't know if chris pratt has said if he's sticking around or not but we'll see Okay. Happy to have skinny okay. Thor back, hot Thor with the uh, blue eyes for some reason. We got to see how he, both of his eyes were blue. So they're going to have to explain. Yeah, that. I wonder how that happened. Uh, so, yeah, I hope they, they explain could, that. They could play it away with like Rocket just being like, what? You never changed the color and just like takes his exactly. eye out and switches it and puts <laughs> it back in. Like, it could be anything. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm yeah. just so pumped. It's, it was it's very easy to do. Yeah, such a good comparison. Um, with like this new fun direction for Thor sticking him with the guardians. I'm only sad that it, we didn't get to see more of it, but um, mm. I, I'm so, so excited for it. So go see the trailer. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. Yeah. 